the Purpose Driven Entrepreneur Podcast. We're all about delivering great content, thoughtful discussions, and tips and tricks to help you truly get the most out of your life and business. And here's your charismatic host, me, Matt Browning. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome. Good morning, afternoon, evening. I don't know what time it is for you right now, but I'm glad that you're checking this out at the time you are. My name is Matt Browning. If you know me, you've been with me since day one or early on, uh, you know my story. You know who I am. If you're brand new to the show, hey, welcome to it. Uh, you know, I'm Matt Browning. I founded several different companies over the last 15 years running NLP training companies. We actually have an NLP seminar happening right here, right now in Orange County, California, as I record this open. Uh, that's happening. Uh, we run uh, run this podcast called The Driven Entrepreneur. Super, super stoked on that. I talked to you last week or this Tuesday, a big bomb dropping about some new shifts happening in the company and new shifts for you guys. So just a quick recap, we are launching two new shows, two new podcasts. Really, really excited about that. And we're also doing a rebrand uh, so I can look to get more uh, syndication and, and get this show on a bigger platform. We got some great guests lined up for 2019. Uh, really, really stoked on it. So in the future, uh, we're going to celebrate with our 100th episode in just a couple of weeks from now, or a week and a half or so. And with the 100th episode, we got some really cool stuff. I'm going to do uh, a pretty in-depth uh, teaching episode on there. I have a cool interview lined up for it. I'm actually going to do kind of a combo uh, really just a big celebration episode for our 100th episode. It's also going to correspond uh, a couple of days before the one-year anniversary of the show. I can't believe it's already been a year together. Uh, so moving forward after the 100th episode, we are going to move into a one-episode-per-week format. But don't worry. It's going to be awesome. We were doing two. We're doing one. It'll, of course, be an interview with an awesome entrepreneur where we get down into the origin story of what shaped them and what drives this person to do what they do. If you know me and you listen to some of these interviews, you know it's not just the run-of-the-mill kind of webinar interview like a lot of business podcasts are, where you know you just find out about their tools and tricks and their seven steps or whatever. You know we get into the knowledge and wisdom they've created, but I'm very curious, like you are, about their mindset, about their emotions, about uh, you know the values and the systems that they grew up in, and and how they became the people they are, and why they got into what they're doing. And I think you know if you're listening to this show among all the other entrepreneur shows you're probably curious like me and that's why we're doing this uh, we're also changing the name ever so slightly uh, I love the current name but to get more syndication I believe it's just going to be uh, easier and it's a real simple real powerful name the new name is the driven entrepreneur and I think that really encapsulates uh, who we are and what we're about uh, we being me and you the collective uh, we all of us listening to this show um, you know, because I'm, I'm a fan of being entrepreneurs just like you are. The other two shows I'm launching are Speaking of Getting Booked. That's for public speakers, keynote, motivational speakers, seminar leaders and trainers, coaches and authors as well. Anyone who wants to is speaking or wants to speak to grow their brand, their platform, or that's who you are as a trade. And on that show, all I interview is promoters, seminar promoters, seminar leaders, uh, meeting planners, association chairs and chapter presidents and people like that, people that book speakers. And I'm going to be grilling them to find out how you can get booked more as a speaker uh, and how you can position yourself as a speaker as well. I'll also have a few prominent keynote speakers here and there on the show. I've talked to a couple already uh, that you're really going to love. I'm going to bring back on that have been on the Driven Entrepreneur or the Purpose Driven Entrepreneur as it was. 
is at this moment. I'm going to bring them back on and talk about their keynote speaking career and how they've gotten themselves booked so much. So that'll be fun. And the last one is the NLP experience. If you like my teaching Tuesdays, if you really love, you know, when, when I get into a concept or an idea and application for life and teach about that from a neuro-linguistic programming or life coaching perspective, the NLP experience is where you're going to get that each and every single week. And I'll be running that with a co-host, my head NLP trainer, Mike Bagala. He's going to, uh, we're going to be uh, video conferencing every single week. Uh, he'll be from Newport Beach. I'll be from Grand Rapids, Michigan. And we're going to be basically NLP nerds for NLP nerds talking about these concepts. So it'll be a little bit longer episodes. And again, I'll just be able to get into some application in life and, and, a, and a lot of that like teaching, coaching mindset work. So if you love that, check that out as well. All right, let's get into the episode this week. Episode 97 is with someone who I am, um, I am so proud of. And at the same time, like I'm in awe of all at the same time, uh, I met this young man. I say young; he's he's in his mid twenties now. Uh, I met this young man at a podcast conference uh, a few months back, and we just hit it off like I mean, uh, what's the word? Peanut butter and jelly, I suppose. Peanut butter and jelly. Uh, really, really cool. He's uh, he, he's a leadership consultant. He's uh, he would be a self-professed millennial entrepreneur, and he has a really cool podcast called the Millennial Leadership Show. And it's uh, it's just awesome. He he brings such a positivity, and uh, he crushes the stereotype that a lot of uh, to me I think older generation people have mislabeled um, some of what we'd call the millennials or the Gen Ys or Gen Zs or whatever they are. Um, I, you know, I'm losing track of labels, and I honestly don't care about labels. But essentially, the young spirited uh, next generation people. You know, there's. In some ways, you know, there were certainly some people, they got stereotyped with uh, uh, with laziness or, you know, things got handed to them and, and so forth. But then there's also a whole other demographic in that, in that same group that see it as an opportunity and they have gotten their hustle on. They've, they work twice as hard. They have big dreams, big visions, and they move forward. And I know a lot of you are listening to this, so I just want to say, if that's you, you're going to love Randall Garcia. He hosts three podcasts. The Millennial Leadership Show. He also has a show called Lead at Home, Win at Life, which is really for uh, corporate C-level uh, executives. And the last podcast he has, a third one, is called The Business of You. So before podcasting, Randall founded Creative Campaigns, a digital marketing and brand development agency. Uh, he worked individually with over 500 business brands in a seven-year tenure running this business. He still runs it today. He also manages a Medicare insurance agency, which helps seniors live happy and healthy lives. And he established himself as a community leader in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, he's currently the youngest president of a nonprofit company that's over $3 million. Uh, that is pretty cool. And he's, again, making a great name for the young uh, the young entrepreneurs, the young leaders out there. Uh, he's an awesome guy, um, strong man of faith. He uh, uh, he's he's a father of two, a husband to his awesome wife, a big basketball fan. He you've seen him in Huffington Post and Forbes and all sorts of different news sources. He also has a show that's syndicated in San Antonio FM radio. 
You're going to love him. I do an in-depth conversation. We, uh, we, I turned off the clock for this one. It was just, it was that good. So we go on for a little bit, sit back, uh, enjoy. This might be a two or three parter for you. It's only one episode, but it might be two or three parts. So if you're listening to it on the way home, uh, make sure you pause. And hey, if you're listening to it on, on Apple Podcasts, remember it'll pick up on whatever device. If you switch over to your iPad at home, you can refresh. It'll pick up right where you left off. You can go back to your phone on the way to work the next morning. Uh, you'll want to listen to this whole thing. He is amazing. He also has a really cool special gift for you if you listen to the end. It's called the Greater Day Formula and he's he's got that as a giveaway. Uh, freebie free guys uh, and he's a guy who really lives the Greater Day Formula. Enjoy my uh, interview and my conversation with Randall Garcia. Well buddy, it has been a really short period of time and I'm getting a chance to, to sit and talk with you a little longer. We met Gosh, I mean, last week when I was in Austin at the <laughs> podcast conference, and we had a really, really great chat over uh, dinner with you and uh, a few other uh, faith-based entrepreneurs, and you just, you're energetic, you're exciting, you're doing a million things, and you're a wealth of wisdom at your old yet young age. So I wanted to have <laughs> you on right away. Randall Garcia, welcome to the pod, man. How you doing? Hey, man, I'm so glad that you had me on. I'm pumped. I'm ready to go. <laughs> I thought so, too. So... I want to start at the very beginning. I ask every entrepreneur this. Did you grow up as an entrepreneur, like as a kid? Was it something you were always like thinking about, lemonade stands, that sort of thing? Or was it something that happened later in life and you thought, okay, I want to get into this instead of that? You know, um, that's an interesting question because, you know, I think, I think it had a lot to do with like self-discovery because as a kid, I always knew like I had a billion ideas and I had so many things that I wanted to do, so many interests. Um, but it wasn't until, I guess, college where I started my degree in business and then I switched it to kinesiology. <laughs> and then I re-switched it back to business. And I'm like, you know what? I don't think I have my life figured out. And, <laughs> can, you explain and, to the, can you explain to people what kinesiology is? Yeah, it's basically the study of human motion. So that was completely different from, you know, being an entrepreneur or being a business owner. So what I, what I did was um, I kind of just had this time frame where I said, I, if I don't know what I'm doing, there's something completely wrong with that. Um, so I had to kind of think to myself, like, okay, set some five-year goals, some 10-year goals. And the funny thing is, is that's when I started realizing that I didn't want to work for anybody. <laughs> I wanted to do my own thing. So this was in college, you're thinking like this, yeah? It, exactly. So I actually just, I said, you know what, if I don't want to work for somebody, I don't have to wait till I graduate to get a degree to go start my own business. I'm just going to start one right now. So I started one when I was uh, actually almost 21 years old. So I was still 20. I was right about 21 years old when I started that business. So, so you got me beat by a year because I, well, I, I started my first business at 22 ah. and and, I don't, and I'm not that much older than you, only nine years older, I'm 38. Yeah. But, you know, in those days, you know, and even now, there, there wasn't a lot of, you know, young early 20s entrepreneurs. So when you went to college for business, what were you thinking? Were you thinking you would like potentially get a job, you know, with a business degree and, you know, do something in the C-suite type of thing? Or did you, again, did you always know you wanted to eventually do something for yourself? When I finally figured out what I what I wanted to do, which was wasn't it still wasn't specific. I just knew I wanted to start businesses. I wanted to be an entrepreneur and not work for anyone. Um, then I started saying, "Okay, what do I want to do?" And so that led me to come up with um, 
you know, creative campaigns, which was my very first business. And so I started helping small businesses who knew nothing about marketing. And so it kind of just, you know, one thing led to another. And I started by the end of my college career, I almost had helped 500 businesses. And then that next year I had reached 500 businesses that I helped. So 500 businesses. So even, even in the beginning with maybe very little like business experience, you, what were you bringing to the first like 10, 20 businesses? Was it marketing from, uh, from school and from, from the like kind of formal education or was it all street smarts, intuitive? Like what was your approach to the first say 10 (laughs) Oh God, it was trial and error. It, you know, I, I still know some people who introduced me when I, I I went to one of my mentors and I said, I want to start a business and it's called, it's going to be called creative campaigns and I'm going to help businesses with their marketing. And they're like, yeah, I have a few people who might need you. So I went, I started talking to them. And then through a little bit of research, I actually started finding a list of LLCs that just started. So I ended up buying a list of like everyone who incorporated in the last like six months. Oh my gosh, what a good idea. And then, and then I started calling them and um, sending them mail and, you know, doing things like that. I, I would find their names and find them like on social media. And then just, I just started helping just a whole bunch of people all at once. Like, it was crazy, um, but it seemed like a lot of people needed help. They knew that they wanted to start a business, but they had zero marketing expertise. Like, for example, I helped a lot of doctors, a lot of physicians, dentists um, for a certain period of time, and uh, they know nothing about <laughs> growing and scaling a business or marketing, especially in the online space. So, like, for them, I was the expert at, like, 21 years old. Oh, come uh, now, Randall. Now, you, you, must, you must think, I mean, with all those years of medical school, there must be at least a couple of years dedicated to, like, leadership, human resources, marketing, yeah, advertising. But like, no, I'm kidding. There's, like, nothing at I, all. I was going to say, yeah, but, like, you know, I remember, like, I took, like, history. I think we all took, like, history classes. I don't remember much in, like, the classes I wasn't so interested in. There's nothing wrong with history. It just didn't interest me. Oh, I hated it. I, <laughs> that was my least favorite class. I, I love it now, which is funny, right? I'll watch documentaries and everything, but in ninth grade U.S. history, that was like, oh my yeah. gosh, just take me now. Exactly. Ninth grade, you you don't have the same mindset. So they, I actually love history now. So it's it's kind of funny how you come a circle yeah, like that. <laughs> we're very similar there. So that was your first business, 21, doing doing digital marketing. And you've gotten into obviously a few different businesses. What was the, how long did you do the marketing on its own after you left school and everything? I actually still do it today, um, just more on a very selective basis. I take on one, maybe two clients at a time, but it's usually like one at a time. And it's usually where I can deep dive into marketing strategy with a client and and I'm not working with anyone else. Um, So I do still have that business and it's still running successfully. I'm a solopreneur. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, and I have, I do hire out some contractors to help me, you know, delegate some tasks and things like that, but I'm a solopreneur and, uh, it, it's just, it's just kind of funny how if you just put yourself out there as a, an entrepreneur, it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. I mean, if you know something and you can deliver value for someone, that's, that's really all it takes. That's a, a really key point too, you know, to, to think is, you know, I, I remember for me, it was in finance and, and mortgage and real estate. And I started in that industry at 18 and everyone's heard my story, so I don't need to bore them with it. But at 18, I started into it. And then by 22, I started my own. And man, I had to, 
I remember being 18 looking across the table, right? At like a 50 year old couple with, you know, their hundreds of thousands of dollars in mortgage and their entire future in my hands. And I had to convince them, project confidence. And I didn't know what I was doing because I did it every day. But I had to project that, hey, I know how to do this. And I, for me, I had to get past a lot of, it was in the late 90s, I had to get past a lot of like young person stereotypes. And I feel like I wanted to ask you what your experience was with, because we didn't call them millennials then, right? Mm-hmm. It was just, you're young or you're young and dumb. So I had to get through the stereotype of, hey, you're just a young guy. You don't know anything, right? Wait till you're in the trenches. Wait till you got, you know, some salt in your beard, that kind of thing. Nowadays, the conversation changes and there's this millennial conversation on one side. And this is my experience and I want to open up to you. Yeah. I hear like on one side, you have like the excitement and the, the kind of the Gary V kind of conversation, right? Like, yeah, mm. millennials and you can get out there and like get it done and hustle and, and all that like excitement and vision, right? And you have new heroes and, and new great breaking ground on new ideas. On the other side, you have that whole stereotype of lazy, pr- uh, privileged, um, not hardworking, uh, wanting everything to be handed to me, living in my mom's basement, talking about you know the politics of the world, and that kind of a, a conversation. I don't think either one is 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 uh, accurate by itself. But you have a podcast, of course, um, all about millennials called uh, Millennial Leadership. Is that right? Yes, the Millennial Leadership Show. The Millennial Leadership Show. So, talk to me first about your perception in the trenches as a, a millennial, right? As a millennial leader about the stereotype of millennials, what's true, what's not true, and, and go wherever you want from there. I think that, you know, number one, I think that most stereotypes um, can be true. It doesn't necessarily mean they're true. When you stereotype, you generalize and you put everybody into a certain category, even though you have so many people from different unique, diverse backgrounds. And so what happened was for me at least, and I think this will definitely answer the question, is I had like a healthy anger towards millennial stereotypes. Ooh. It, it was, yeah, it was a healthy anger. Before I started the Millennial Leadership Show, um, I, I really had a healthy anger and I actually decided, you know what? That's not me. You know, I'm not lazy. I'm not entitled. I'm not delusional. I'm not a job hopper because I create my own jobs. And <laughs> so it was one of those things where I, I was a healthy anger and I said, I am not a typical millennial. And so, you know, I, just, I literally just sat there at home and just brainstormed. And I like, I took out my notebook, my, my laptop, and boom, all of a sudden, millennialleadership.com was created. <laughs> wow. And, and so millennialleadership.com was an answer to the, the healthier, righteous anger of seeing the stereotypes and seeing what, what people were seeing in that millennial space and going, hey, there's an answer to this. There's an opposite to this. And exactly. I want to bring a truth to. Is that accurate? It's, it's totally accurate. And, you know, what, what, what happened was is right away, like I launched some like social media channels and right away i started posting things and it like somehow hit a nerve with a certain segment of millennials right and the ones who were like oh my goodness like i'm not a typical millennial i don't conform to those stereotypes i started getting like all of the best if you if you if i put it that way like all of the best the brightest the most genius millennials to follow my page in my opinion because i started connecting with them and i was thinking oh my goodness, like there, there's so many millennials who are doing 
big things in this world, who, have, who are visionaries, who are starting businesses, who are writing books. And I started connecting with them. And that's how the Millennial Leadership Show came about is I wanted to have conversations with these people. I, wanted, I honestly wanted to learn from them. Um, me being a millennial and doing the millennial leadership show was really more about my own learning <laughs> than anything else. And it was super interesting. So for millennial leadership, who, who needs that? Who, who's the kind of person that is, is it someone who is or, or is an aspiring entrepreneur or is it anyone in that kind of age range? Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's any millennial who wants to grow and get better and impact others. I think the bigger, the big word right now is influence, right? People talk about social media influencers. I think that's just the, like the newer form word for leadership, right? So people want to be influencers. They want people to listen. People want to feel like they have a voice. And so in the millennial leadership show, Basically, what I do is I break down a lot of those things and I help millennials understand how to stand up and stand apart and how to find their voice. And that kind of sounds cliche, um, but the, the problem is, is a lot of millennials don't know um, how, how to stand out and how to be a leader. And so, you know, if I were to talk to someone like you, um, you probably, I would say you uh, can teach me a lot, right? But at the point that I'm in, I'm, I'm teaching the people who are still learning. And so I feel like millennial leadership has been an answer to a lot of those millennials prayers. And I think that it's definitely making an impact. In fact, I get DM'd all the time and I have people write blogs on the millennial leadership show, how great it is. And I'm thinking, people listen to me? What? <laughs> and so wow. it's awesome. I know you probably had that feeling at one point or another. <laughs> yeah, well, you don't know this, but I'm the only one writing blogs about your show. I listen to on several different devices. So that's all the different subscriptions are all actually me <laughs> under pseudonyms. And <laughs> I do love what you're doing. Um, you, you know, um, so any millennial, I guess we should probably quickly define, how do you define a millennial? Because again, that term is so overused yeah. and it may not be accurately used. When I think of a millennial, I think of uh, a, a new age beatnik who is 23 years old, uh, living at home in, on his parents' couch. Yeah, with a man bun, right? With many man buns. And that's not accurate <laughs> at all, right? But that's like, what I'm trying to say is, I love you guys, right? I got a lot of millennials listening to the show. So like, you guys are cool, seriously. Uh, but like, the first picture that comes in my head is that, right? Yeah. So how do you even define, is it only age range? Is it born in this year? Or is it... I don't know, almost more like attitude or yeah. how do you look at it really? Well, you know, there's really two ways to define it and they kind of clash together. Like you can try to define it by age. Like if someone needs the hard numbers, okay, what is the age range? What is it? Yeah, right now, uh, as of today, it's like 22-year-olds up to like 36, 37-year-olds. That's kind of the millennial age range. And then if you're kind of in between, you're called a cusper. So if you're in between the millennial generation and another generation, we call them uh, cuspers because you're on the cusp of two di different generations and so um, that's one way if you really need the hard numbers it's about 22 to 36 um, okay so but if, so born basically 1980 and after essentially pretty much on and after right in it's, that range you should be 37 36 yeah. all the way down to 22 ish exactly and it's kind of like if, if there's another way to put it it's like if if your childhood or your young adulthood came about in the year 2000, then that's kind of a way to put it. Like, because you were influenced by like 9-11, you were influenced by the, the 
internet explosion, right? Social media, smartphones, things like that. Like those have a big impact on how we think, how we interact, how we communicate. And so millennials, especially when you're a kid or a young adult, you, you know, you're greatly impacted by those things. And it really does form a lot of, a lot of the culture and the belief systems so yeah, that, you know, there's two ways there's the hard number way where you can try, but it's really about the life experiences that happened, uh, you know, in the years 2000 and a few years after that. Okay. So for me then, cause everything, you know, gets filtered through my experience. <laughs> I can't help it. So for me, like nine 11 happened when I was 21 years old. So I was still a young adult. I was finding my way, but I wasn't a kid anymore. Mm-hmm. And you know, in high school I had a pager. And I didn't get a cell phone until I got out of high school. So, it, it, you know, and, and I had like senior year, junior year, I could go into a chat room in AOL, if that makes sense, right? And I had yeah. dial up. And then, so it's kind of, it's a funny thing. So I guess I'd consider myself a cusper because I'm young enough that I was still, my brain was still spongy in a way when a lot of the new technologies came out, whether it's internet, cell phone, et cetera. But I was also old enough that all of my childhood experiences were already solidified you know, riding bikes in the street and that kind of thing. So it's yeah. a weird, weird place for me to be in because I feel like I'm kind of breaching both worlds. And then when I talk to someone who's 10, 15 years younger, you know, in the early 20s, then I feel like I'm reaching, I can reach and connect in that world. But mm-hmm. I can also reach and connect to Gen X and before that. Um, do you find that as a millennial, like a, a, a full-on millennial, I, let's just say right now it's 2018, someone that's like deep in their 20s, you know, do you find that it's, it's harder for them to reach the, the previous generations or do you find that maybe with technology and grandma on Facebook that they're able to reach it easier? What's your experience with connecting with different generations from a, a millennial perspective? Um, it's funny because I actually wrote a blog on this and it is like one of the most popular blogs I ever wrote and it was called the, the five laws of generational understanding. Wow. <laughs> and yeah, and I, created the laws for people to understand. And actually, I used to go speak on this topic. So this is this is right down my alley. Um, but, you know, law number one was that there's not really, um, you know, generational gaps are really interaction gaps. And the reason why we why I say that is because you think about it from kindergarten all the way to, you know, your senior year in high school, or even through college, you're literally placed in a group from like almost nine to five, like nine to three, nine to four, you're placed in a group of like-minded people in the same age group with this very similar interest, same perspective, same life experiences, same everything. And then you might go home and have some interaction with your parents, (laughs) right? But by the time you're 18, 19, even in your 20s, now you're out in the real world, right? And now you're interacting with different generations, like all day long. Right. And that's, so you have, you have a job and you have someone who's 60, yeah. you have someone who's 40, exactly. and you're 20. Huh. Exactly. So you're used to the norms of communicating with people who are just like you, who, who listen to the same music as you and all of those things. But then all of a sudden you're thrust into this new world where it's not just the people that are your age, right? It's actually people of all ages from, you know, me, the a millennial entering the workforce, I was communicating with baby boomers and Gen Xers. And it's just one of those things where like, you don't really realize that as a, you know, growing up, that you're not really interacting nearly as much with these generations. So it's a lot harder for you to understand them. So law number one is that it's really an interaction gap. You're really learning how to interact with them and learn from them. That is absolutely fascinating to me 
And I'm thinking, you know, it must not only be that, like what a, what an interesting school system experiment it would be to, to move people or to put different grades in different, mm-hmm. even different grades. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know like it's uh, my nephew's school and it's just a simple little thing, but they'll have um, like a buddy pal where like a sixth grader takes care of a first grader or a second grader or something like that, or a fifth grader takes care of a first grader and they make at least to have that. It's still a small gap, but they have something. In addition to that though, there's also the socioeconomic lack of gap. There's mm-hmm. also the geographic lack of gap, right? So we all grew up in Tennessee. We all grew up in Orange County, whatever it is. Um, and then in general, you know, sure, there's some interaction with different economics. But for the mm-hmm. most part, if you're in a poorer area or a more affluent area, most of the interaction is going to be in that same kind of wavelength. Right? Hey, all oh, my friends oh, golf. Yeah. And then you go get a job in the inner city and you're like, wait a minute, I don't know how to play basketball. What's going on? <laughs> yes. It's, it's much more complicated than just the generations. I mean, it gets deep where I think it all comes down to emotional intelligence and being aware of the person that you're communicating with. Okay. And, so, so can mm-hmm. you give me a, sorry to interrupt. Can you give me a, a, a hack or, or not a hack, but such a millennial term. <laughs> give, me a, <laughs> give me a perspective of like, if I recognize that's happening, Hey, so I'm 20 years old. I'm in the workforce. And like you said, there's Gen X's and baby boomers and all the above. And I find myself thinking, wow, I relate to that. And I don't know how to relate to all these different people. What's like, what's a posture or an attitude or maybe even like, um, like a methodology or a habit or something you could do as a younger person to get yourself kind of retrained or to expand your awareness to, yeah. to bridge the gap basically. This one's easy and it takes time. It does take some effort, but it's very easy um, because it's an interaction gap. And I do truly believe that is, you know, a lot of times business gets done when you're just talking business and you're, you're task oriented, your goal oriented, you, you, you know, you're in for the same accomplishments, right? If you, especially if you're working in a team or with a boss, but get to know these people on a personal level, like millennials, especially should seek out mentorship from someone older than them, someone a little bit more wise, because that's one of the things that I did is I immersed myself into my career as an entrepreneur, but I, I actually would spend time, like personal time where we were not talking business, because what it did, it allowed me to, you know, learn, you know, the vocabulary, the types of words that they use, the way that they feel, the, the opinions that they have, it allowed me to just better get a grasp on who this person was and where they're speaking from. And so when I would understand the person, then everything else would make sense at work. Okay. If I was working that person, because I would know what their tendencies are. I would know what their views are on certain things. So it wasn't a complete unknown thing when they asked for something um, that they needed, or if they reacted a certain way, I knew where that was coming from because I knew them on a little bit of a deeper level. Now that does take some work, but um, when it comes to the different generations, different opinions, perspectives, it always helps to just get to know someone outside of your job, um, just as a person, you know, have a time where you take them out to lunch and you literally just be their friend or you just listen. And by the way, People are like waiting for someone that will just listen to them. <laughs> Trust me on that. <laughs> they are. Like one, one, one person that has come into my mind, um, I invited him out to lunch. And I said, I just want to learn from you. I don't think I got a word in the entire time. <laughs> really? You just listened and that was a good thing or no? It, it was a good thing. I learned a lot about this person and he ended up being a very, very big partner 
um, in my company. So, but, but it really took me to get, get to know him on a deeper level. And, you know, like if you are an entrepreneur that all, that does help business because people like to do business with people that they like. So there's actually a huge client. It was a huge deal to me when I became friends with this person and then I landed a contract with them. It was great. So, mm -hmm. wow. So let's flip the, let's flip the, um, the roles here too. So as a millennial, if you're working somewhere, whether it's, Again, I feel like some of the people, you know, listening in, in my little tribe here, a lot of them, in fact, two thirds, just to be transparent, are between 45 and 65. If you're in that age range, right? So you're somewhere between Gen X slash baby boomer. What's some ways that say they want to relate to millennials in the workplace as team uh, or neighbors, friends or their kids, whatever it is. What are some ways that they can bridge a gap when coming from your perspective, right? Because maybe, maybe the millennial, maybe they're like, hey, old fuddy-duddy, come on now. I don't want to go to some <laughs> flick with you. Exactly. That's far out. Get out of here, daddy-o. Exactly. And the millennial's like, I'm, I'm looking up 50s terms. So the millennial might not be looking for the relationship, but how would you bridge the gap to the millennials? Well, here's one thing. Um, and you know, people may not like this, but I think it's so true is that <clears throat> one of the other laws is that, you know, people think that they're um, smarter than the generation before them and also wiser than the generation that comes after them. Oh, that's a, <laughs> that's a fact. Yeah. So, not you know, people. you're, <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. So like you're in this generation and like, like for me, I'm like, oh, I know more than my parents. And then I look at my son and I'm like, I'm wiser than you and everyone, <laughs> you know what I mean? Any, so like, you go, it's like, oh, I'm clearly the smartest in the room. Exactly. And so it's, it's really just different, different things. So um, you, you probably won't like this answer, but it's kind of similar to the first one. I think that um, there's this, there's this thing called reverse mentoring where, you know, people like in your audience, you said two thirds are between what, 45 and 60. Um, and, I would say it's it's a good idea to practice reverse mentoring. I and love I that. and the reverse mentoring is you know the the older folks seeking out someone younger. And it may it may be counterintuitive to a lot of people, but you got to think about it. Like many people like when I go to speak with uh, to organizations, a lot of them are like how do I get the most out of millennials, right? I know that there's power there. I just don't know how to you know, get it all out of them. I do believe there's power in all generations. It's just a different kind of power, right? It's a different kind of um, knowledge. It's a different kind. So, uh, you know, in reverse mentoring, how do you get that out of them? Well, go learn from them, right? Like seriously, like spend time with them, like get caught up on some of the things. Like for me, it's, it, I love digital marketing. Like I love doing online business and that's what I've always done. And so for people in that age range, they're, they're usually coming to me like, okay, sh okay, tell me how this works again. <laughs> Even though that the, they're more wise than me in many areas of, of life, right? They've had so many more life experiences. There's, a, there's certain things that you can learn from someone younger than you that has the experience that, that you didn't. Because guess what? The internet boom didn't really exist. It didn't, it wasn't to this effect when they were my age. So there's a lot, there's a huge difference in that. 
Yeah, no way. And I, and I love that term too. Have you trademarked that yet? Cause that's brilliant. Reverse mentoring, <laughs> being willing to, to mentor. See, and if we're only, and I, I, I totally agree with you, but if we only mentor with age, cause there's certainly, mm-hmm. that's been traditions forever, right? Hey, there, there's wisdom in the ancient, there's wisdom uh, in, in our elders and so forth. But there's, yeah, there's something so key. And back in the day, it made sense. You'd only mentor the one way, right? Where it's like, Hey, you're a kid. We live in a village. There's not a lot of stimulus and you don't know a bunch of things yet. So listen to the older people and they'll teach you how to hunt, how to fish, how to garden, how to avoid bad berries. And that's it, right? And then once you learn those things, there's nothing else to learn. But now we're in this place where certain learning has passed people by and not necessarily passed them by, but has been instigated after they were in their key learning time. So I almost, I'd equate it to like, uh, say Spanish immersion right? If I had a kid who all their early life in the first 10 years were immersed in Spanish and English, they're going to have a very different approach to speaking a second language than if I'm trying to learn it at 35 years old, right? Mm -hmm. Or 55 Mm -hmm. years old, I'm going, Hey, I don't know Spanish and I've only ever done English and I don't think that way. And I'm trying to figure out how to do these verbs, but the kid's going to go, well, consider it this way. And if you look at something like, like a Rosetta Stone and the way they're teaching language and other language tools nowadays, it's not the way I learned it in seventh grade, right? Or the way that my parents would have learned it in college. You know, now it's much more, you're teaching an adult the same way a kid, a five-year-old would be immersed and learn it through, through visualization and through association and whatnot. So clearly there's a ton that the earlier generations can teach. Besides, what would you want to go to? to learn just a random question in my mind what would you want to go to a millennial or let's just say a generation earlier than you or younger than you to learn besides technology i think the go-to for a lot of us old fogies is technology while i know i don't know like my mom i don't think she's still figured out how to post onto facebook yet (laughs) like she got an account i think a year or two ago and she's got she's figured out a little bit of the news feed so she can go on and she can see pictures of the grandkids, right? And she even learned how to comment. But as, I'm like, mom, you were hanging out this whole weekend. You got to put a post up, you know, with your photos. You go, oh, I, I, haven't, I don't know how to do that yet. And I don't want to complicate it. I'm just going to stick with seeing what you guys post for now. So we always think technology. But what else is there outside of technology that um, the new generation could teach? That's, that's, that's a good question. <laughs> I, think it's, um, I think it is a, a growth mindset. Um, that's, that's also cliche. I, everyone talks about, oh, you know, you have to have this growth mindset and you have to think big. And, but honestly, I think that's what millennials are so, you know, known for. It's one of those things. One of the words that people use to describe millennials is delusional, but I would rather say visionary because <laughs> yeah, I would, really. too. I would too. I would rather say that's visionary because the, the think about it, like, with the internet, uh, I know we're, I'm going back to technology and I, I, I'm going to prove right. my point, but with the internet, the possibilities are endless. The connections that you can make are endless. There is no limit um, when you start an online business. So millennials, I think, realize that. But like to people who have always had a brick and mortar business, they're like, oh, you're delusional. You're not going to start that and do that. And it's kind of like millennials are like, no, like I've seen it. Like pe- I, people take selfies 
all over the world because they've started this this incredible business um, that really works for them instead of them working in the business. So it's just one of those things is social media makes it much more powerful where we get to see other people doing things and we're like, you know what, if they can do it, then we can do it too. And so I think that's where the delusional comes from is like maybe there's this, um, there's this perspective that we don't really think practically <laughs> sometimes. You know, and, and that brings up a great uh, conversation pivot. So when is it visionary and when is it delusional? I, I think at, at yeah. any generation, but certainly in, in your generation and younger, I run, this is one of the things I think I run into too that's um, almost a stereotype, right? It's a young guy, young girl who says, oh, I'm going to take over the world. Watch me do it. I'm going to do it. And then I'm like, man, I want to support you because, hey, I believe in you and truly anything's possible. And they certainly believe it. But then there's also like that balance of, well, hang on. What about the practicality? What are the chances yeah. of being succeeding as a rock star in today's day and age? Yeah, you have more access than ever before with making your own labels and iTunes. But at the same time, it's also harder than it ever has been before because mm -hmm. there's so many people in the space. So what, what's your take on the fine line between – uh, genius and insane. Okay. I have four words. Come um, on. <laughs> four words. I want them. One of them is acquiring knowledge. And then the other one is massive action. Um, so those are the four words. Uh, number one, acquiring knowledge. I feel like that's essential. Cause like I, if, if I wanted to start a business, but I never learned you know, all the basics and the fundamentals of how to be a business owner, then yeah, it's just, it's one of those dreams that will probably never come true because it's just an idea. Um, I just saw a, a post earlier. Someone says that, you know, the difference between being an entrepreneur and a wantrepreneur yes. is, that, <laughs> is, is, is huge because a lot of people are wantrepreneurs. They have an idea one month and then the next month they still have that idea. And the next month is still an idea. But an entrepreneur, they get an idea and they just start a business. They take massive action. So both of those things and just learning through trial and error, acquiring knowledge as you grow and implementing that to take the massive action is, is extremely important. But yeah, it's delusional if all you do is think of ideas. <laughs> it is delusional. So no, it's really good. So, so what I'm hearing from this is, so if I, if I meet someone a young person who's very excited right total visionary the big difference that i'm getting from you between delusion and vision is with a vision you're excited about it you got the vision but you also are willing to prepare you're also willing to invest in the knowledge and the learning what you need to learn mm -hmm. and would you say you're also is there a difference between how much effort or like on the ground you know application or work someone's willing to do i find a lot of times one of the stereotypes is Big visionary, big ideas, but very little willingness to put in the sweat and the blood and the elbow grease and, and right and the discipline and determination. Exactly. Sometimes that can fall off. Do you, would you agree with that, or do you have a hundred percent? A hundred percent agree because um, you know turning an idea into a business takes a lot, and I, I do believe in self development. I've always believed in self development. When I first started my first business, creative campaigns, I never stopped reading books, taking programs, you know, some of these programs cost thousands of dollars, but I'm thinking I want to invest in myself because if I don't invest in myself, then who else is going to want to invest in me? 
So I've always put a certain portion of my income aside so that I can grow in the learning and the acquiring knowledge. And by the way, it's not just learning. It's not like a textbook. The people that I choose are the best in the business, right? I try to choose people where I don't have to learn from years on, you know, years after years, running in circles, running on that hamster wheel, trying to figure it all out through trial and error. No, I want to learn from the best. I want to learn the best practices and I want to get ahead because I want to make my ideas a reality. And it really does take um, the massive action and, and then the acquiring knowledge. But both of those are an investment of yourself, either time, money, energy, resources. It all requires you to put it all in there and say, I'm going for it. Love that. Now, that's, I'm glad you said that because I do have a program for you. I'm really excited about offering this to you. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, and I agree. I, you know, it's funny. When I was younger, I didn't realize that, but I did it anyway. So like I, bought my first, I went to my first seminar with Tony Robbins at 22. I came home and I was self-employed five days later. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And I don't know that it was a good thing or not. I, I, I always say I, I quit slash got fired, you know, it depends on your perspective. <laughs> um, but you know, it was like that, that was the, the change. And then I went through and I started doing more programs and coaching and, and I bought tapes and CDs and, um, and whatever I could do, you know, I, I just, I wanted to learn more. I wanted to experience more and I wanted to open my mind um, to different possibilities. Now I, I want to pivot just for a second. What, what was the story behind being, um, set in or nominated or whatever the proper term would be to be, you're the youngest board president for a nonprofit over $3 million in Texas. So <laughs> I want to first yeah. make sure everyone heard that the youngest ever um, board president. So you're the president of the board of a nonprofit that is over $3 million, which is a fairly sizable nonprofit. When you consider yeah. the vast majority over 90% of nonprofits in America make far less than that. Right. And obviously yeah. nonprofits aren't about the money, but um, there's a difference in, in operating and helping exactly. to run a nonprofit that is a multi-million dollar um, revenue source for the work they do versus something that is only uh, oh, just something that's smaller. It's just, just like any <laughs> other company, it's different. Yeah. So exactly. what's the story behind coming into that? It's a, T tell me about the nonprofit and then tell me the story of how you got involved in it. So, uh, you know, it actually starts from my first business. When I developed creative campaigns, I just started helping a whole bunch of small businesses get their marketing straight. And uh, I always used to tell people if you're, I think it was back in like 2011 or 2010, I was like, if you're not marketing the 2010 way, then you're already behind. And so people would sign up. And so I started, <laughs> I started helping all these businesses. And then um, what happened was, is, uh, you know, I started posting on LinkedIn and then I was found through a contact that I had previously had. Um, she was actually the director of the nonprofit, the uh, executive director. And she said, hey, you know, we're looking for some young, fresh millennial talent. And by the way, this is kind of like the startings, the inner workings of where millennial leadership came from, too. So it all pieces together. Um, and so she invited me to interview for the board. And I was like, okay, what do I do? Like, you know, I've never served on a board. And I, I, I realized that the current, the board president on the time that I was there, he's actually the president of the state bar of Texas for all of the attorneys. Oh, and wow. So, yeah. And so he was, he was a big deal. And, and there's a lot of other big deal people there. And I was like completely intimidated at first. But then when they brought me in, 
they were like, you know what, like we need your perspective. And they made me feel valued. And um, it was really through my, my creative campaigns business where I was noticed and they brought me in. Um, I redid the entire brand and marketing strategy for the organization when I was like 25. <laughs> and um, they ended up uh, like having, you know, uh, fundraising and donations like triple the next year. So it was crazy. So then I got immediate authority and, you know, with within the board. And so then I became the vice president for two years. And then at literally just like three, four weeks ago, I was nominated as, as the president of the board. And after doing research, uh, you know, the, now the CEO, she's like, I think you're like literally like the youngest <laughs> board president. And so we started going back and forth and she, and we, we ended up realizing, yeah, like I'm the youngest board president for nonprofits over 3 million. Cause there's a bunch of, you know, very, very small nonprofits that maybe sure. someone started. People have put, get, yeah, they started and yeah. they're, they're their own president. Yeah. So this one, we almost have 50 staff. So it's, it's a big organization and it's the San Antonio council on alcohol and drug awareness. So it's a very important mission for me because um, you know, it, we are the ones who do the prevention work inside the schools. So we go to the schools and we do the red ribbon and the drug campaigns to kind of bring awareness to the schools. It's, it's a really awesome mission. Wow. And why is that so important to you? Do you have, do you have a, a story behind that or a history yeah. or, or is it yes. just something that you think is important? <laughs> yeah. Um, going back to like high school and then the first couple years of college, you know, I actually was a drug abuser. Um, Every day I would get high and I would go to work, I would go to school. And that's kind of when I was in my fog of what I wanted to do. I realized that uh, I needed to get out of that life. And um, I had to make some really tough decisions, really tough ones that what, really like did what? affect. I, I had to choose, you know, you know, who I was going to spend my time around. I wanted good influencers in my life. I had to... Um, choose a lot of things I had to really change my entire environment and uh, once I did that I think I was able to focus on what I wanted to be and who I wanted to be and what I wanted to do and you know everything just snowballed from there I honestly do feel like um, when I made that decision I feel like ever since then I've just literally just had the favor of God on my life and I've been able to walk in the direction that he's called me to walk and he's, he opens up the doors and I just walk through them and I'm incredibly blessed. But um, I feel like too many people are in that situation where they feel stuck, where they feel like maybe, you know, they don't know who they are or what they want to be. And they just feel stuck. Like they're not going anywhere. And I would encourage you to say, you know, you know, look at your environment, look at the way you're spending your time, who you're surrounding yourself with, because those factors play a, a, an important role in who you become. And uh, I think once I did that, it was, everything took off. And I, I really do attribute it to, you know, the favor of God upon my life after I chose him above all else. Wow. Wow. Um, so first, I, I, I relate a lot. I don't know how much of my story I shared with you before. And again, people here have heard it, but you know, I, I was kicked out of two high schools and went to my third one in handcuffs to continuation high school. And I was, you know, using drugs and drinking and just, you know, going nowhere fast as quickly as I could. But when you said why, it was really interesting. It, it sparked something in me when I realized 
like at 16, 17, 18 years old, I had no vision, right? No idea of like, who am I? Mm-hmm. I, and I certainly didn't grow up with God in my life. So, so for me, like I didn't have an identity in Christ. I didn't know mm-hmm. that I was made, you know, as this glorious being. I didn't know that I was worthy because I was. I just was like, well, who am I? I, I never thought about what I contribute. And I, I didn't have any kind of a clear why or what for my life and my career or anything else like that. And it sounded like it was real similar. Did you have a period of time when you went from, I'm sure you had some friends and you had the people around you that you were um, using with or drinking with. Did you have a period of time when you had to lay that down before the next phase in life, you know, really came back up that you had like an in-between where there was a lot of loneliness? Like you're like, well, I don't have these friends. I I don't have new ones. (laughs) So you did have that. And what was that like? And how'd you get, Uh, here's why I ask. I ask because I feel like there's going to be someone, maybe it's one person, I don't know, but I get the intuitive sense. Somebody's listening to this conversation right now and they're contemplating making that change. Mm. And I remember it being really scary because my whole life in school, I never felt like I fit in and I never felt like I had many friends. So the prospect of laying down the rest of it and saying, well, these are the only people who finally accepted me, but it's because I get high with them. Mm -hmm. Laying that all down and just being alone um, was kind of scary. So what was that like for you and how did you like approach it or what did you learn from it? Anything at all that's insight into how to, how to make that transition because it can be scary. Oh man. It, right. <laughs> it takes me back, man. Like it, it, it actually, my decisions hurt um, deeply, but I know that they were for the good. Um, you know, even to this day, I look back and I know that that was the turning point in my life. Um, At a young age, I made the decision to literally, I wouldn't say disown, but like I literally chose to just forget all my friends, all of them and start from start over. And it was really because I, I knew I needed positive change in my life. And but but here's the thing, I did go through that season of loneliness. And I did go through that season. But that is the same season where God spoke into my life. That's the same season that God showed me who I was, and what I was going to do. That's when I got clear on my life. And I stopped running in circles. And I stopped wasting my days, just doing mindless things. And I got clear on who I was and who God wanted me to be. And from that point on, the people that I started connecting with were people that I knew that God had placed in my life. Because when I went through the season of loneliness, I knew that God was going to, you know, heal my heart from dealing with that heartache of losing all my friends. But he also was going to restore my life with people who were going to positively impact my life, but not just my life, because I feel like I'm still scratching the surface. I feel like all of these new people in my life are playing an important role in me reaching out to others for them to know the same thing and to experience the same God and to experience the same life change that I did. So yeah, it was, it was an incredible experience. And looking back, it was the, (laughs) the point in my life where everything changed and I only had God and I only had him to get me through it. But you know what? He did show me who I was and where to go. And then I just, I just followed him ever since. Wow. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. (laughs) So 
so faith helped. Did you grow up with faith in your life or is that something yes. that came in yes. those times? Um, you grew up with it. I, my dad's, my dad's actually a pastor. Um, and mm-hmm. my grandfather who passed away a couple years ago, he pastored for 63 years. And my brother, my uncle, my aunts, my, like pretty much all my family is pastors. And to be honest, you know, growing up, I took it for granted. I took my relationship with God for granted because I felt like, um, like I didn't want to be like those people. And the one thing that I, that I think uh, discouraged me is I saw some ugly things in the church. Right. Um, And I can honestly say that I had the wrong perspective. I was judging Christianity. I was judging my relationship with God off of how other people acted and reacted. Okay. But I wasn't judging, but I was not judging God for who he is and he's always faithful and he isn't, you know, a God who loves me. And when you look at God, the perfect God, you will quickly realize that you can't look at, you know, Susie over here. That's a member of the church who didn't do some nice things and say, Oh, all Christians are like that. And by the way, that's how God is like too. Um, It doesn't make sense. It does not make sense. In fact, it's, it's us, you know, we're supposed to be that reflection of God, but we're not, we're not going to be, we're going to do our best, but things are going to happen. And I had the wrong perspective. I needed to see God for who he was, not for others. I, I couldn't, I can't, you can't place other people and say that that's how God is, that it's a completely false narrative. Thank you for sharing that, uh, that story. I want to pivot just a little bit as we come towards the, towards the end of this. Um, first off, I want to say thank you so much for such a good conversation, Randall. This yeah. has been awesome. Um, really, like seriously, this is one of the best podcast interviews I've done in a long time. So um, if you are still listening to this, keep <laughs> listening, man. Go check out Randall. This is, this is good times. You yeah. have um, like a, a formula that you, you've derived that you work on yes. to explain this, this greater formula, the seven steps. Um, how to get through and how to essentially break through and have this, this greater life. What do you call it and how does it work? Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Uh, this, this greater day formula has not only changed my life, but it's changed a bunch of people's life who, who, who've used this formula. Um, it, and it's free. I'm going to give it to the, to your audience. I think that it's just, it's a great resource. Um, think about it this way. Like I, I still remember, you know, waking up every morning and like going about my daily routine and it was very low impact, right? Like I didn't even know what I was going to do or when I was going to do it. So when I wanted to start becoming like more productive, I actually started like reading some self-help books and things like that. I'm like, okay, how how do I, how do I do what all the great people have done? Like all the great leaders and business owners. So I started reading and like some people do like a gratitude journal and an affirmation journal. And some people have like a prayer journal and some people do goal setting things. And I'm like, you know, I tried everything. I even like started, um, I'm not going to say the name, but like this one influencer has like this, uh, this, this planner that's like amazing, but it just didn't fit me. Um, so I went back to a regular notebook and I started creating my own daily habits, my own daily formula. And I call it the greater day formula. And the greater day formula is basically everything I just mentioned into one simple, easy to use formula that you can do in the morning or at night. Basically it stands, the greater is an acronym and it stands for gratitude, reading, exercise, affirmation, top three, that spells the word great, 
and then it goes end of day wins and reflection to make this all short because you guys can download it for free it basically compiles everything into one easy uh you know journaling thing where you can achieve your top goals but also maintain a well-balanced perspective because that's the big thing um you know one of the things um and then and then i'll close out but one of the things that i do is also the lead at home Win It Life podcast, where I help leaders reprioritize leadership leadership in the home. So I'm very passionate about that. And when I started helping leaders think of themselves as a leader at home, it hit on something for me. You know, many people, you know, they can lead a Fortune 500 company or make more money than they'll ever need, and they can get more recognition than they can ever dream of. But if they're not winning at home, then they're not really winning. So for me, Winning at home matters, but also winning at work matters, right? I have to do both and you have to maintain a well-balanced uh, approach. So this greater day formula is something that I created that I want your listeners to take advantage of. It's absolutely free. It's a simple PDF. But by the way, you don't even need to print out the PDF. If you follow this formula, you can take any journal. You don't have to purchase any crazy fancy journal. What? Take out any journal and write the word greater vertically down your page and you can actually have a gratitude journal reading an exercise journal an affirmation you can set your top three goals for the day and then reflect on your end of day wins and what you learned it's crazy it's like perfectly set out so that people can actually you know work on themselves first so that way when they get to work when they're at home that way they can start working uh you know sewing into others i love um, so that so so the the greater is the formula that's each of the seven steps. So it's an acronym. Mm -hmm. um, break, break, so break down one more time uh, or a little more in detail. So what, what yeah. of each of the seven steps? So yeah. you grab a journal and you write this down. And is this something that you do like every day for a period of time? Yes, yes it's every day. How long so, do you take on it? <laughs> uh, 10 minutes. 10, 10 minutes. minutes. Okay. Yeah, 10 minutes. Awesome. 10 minutes. I, I think it's, it's, it's best. So I didn't know how much time I have, so I'll go into a little bit more detail. So yeah, think about it down. this way. Think about it this way, okay? Um, I believe that there's four main areas in my life that I need to grow in, and it's spiritual, intellectual, physical, and emotional, okay? I feel like those prepare me for my day. So gratitude is the spiritual, right? I, instead of saying I'm grateful for, I actually say thank you, God, Thank you, Lord, for, and I think of something I'm grateful for every day. So this is almost like a gratitude or a prayer journal, because when you say thank you, Lord, you're basically, you know, you're doing gratitude, but also it's almost like a prayer, right? You know, God, thank you. It's gratitude, a gratitude prayer. So that's my spiritual aspect. And then when you go to like the reading, I read at least for five minutes every morning. Um, and that five minutes makes a big difference. Um, and that's my intellectual where I grow in knowledge from the Bible or any other books that I decide to read. And then E is exercise. That's physical. I try to work out every morning. So <laughs> I think we all try to, and I think that's important to get, you know, to get your, your whole, you know, mind and body working for you for the rest. Wait, hang on, Randall, real quick. It just went out a little much. Oh, uh, slow down. Yeah. Hang on. All right. Start again. If you don't mind, I'll just edit this together at uh, uh, E. E. Okay. Yeah. And then E is exercise. So this is your physical aspect. Like I try to work out every day. And so I put it in the greater formula because I feel like exercise is an important way to start your day. Um, that way you give your, your energy from the get-go. Like, I don't know, for me, I can't work out at night 
because I'm already tired because I gave it all like I gave it all throughout the day so I put exercise in the morning and then a is affirmation this is my emotional like in preparation for the day ahead I reaffirm who I am but not just who I am but who I am and who God says I am and so that's my affirmation and then t that spells out great now the t is the top three So this is where, this is vocational. This has to do with my career, right? So I worked on myself and now I'm at my top three goals for the day. I write my, my one to three goals for my day ahead. And if, and I have to check those off, that's the rule. You have to check off your top three because, you know, and those have to be the most important three. Um, I gave the example earlier to someone and I was like, look, you usually probably know what your top three is, but if you don't write it down, you you have 10 different things to do in no particular order, right? <laughs> and you're, they're not prioritized. That so then all of a sudden, yeah. yeah, then no particular order. You just know you have 10 things to do, but that doesn't show you which ones are the most important. What are, so your, musts, what are your musts and what are your yeah, would yeah. be nices? Exactly. And so the top three is like, okay, I have to get this done and then everything else comes about. So that spells out the word great. And that's my morning routine. Um, and then if you want to make your great day greater, then you add the ER in the evening. <laughs> Wait, I, I don't know if Isn't I want cool? ER in the evening. Does that mean, <laughs> that means that I've had a, a terrible, terrible day and now I got, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I know. So ER, let's take great and make it greater. So what's the it's ER a, in the evening? It's, it's, it's a really quick nighttime routine. Um, is you know, E is you, you, uh, you look at your end of day wins. So what did you accomplish today? Like, I love celebrating the wins because I feel, oh my gosh, yes, I did it. I checked off my top three. And so I love celebrating the wins. I think it's extremely important. And then R is for reflection. What did I learn today? And I think this is the key. When you get to R, then you really like, you look back at the most simple things that happen in your day. But if you look at them a little bit deeper, there's always lessons to be learned. It's crazy. So when I do my R, it's my favorite part <laughs> because when I do my reflection, I'm like, oh my goodness, I, you know, going through the busyness of the day, I didn't even realize that, you know, this happened or that happened. I didn't realize how that person might've felt. And so when I'm doing my reflection is like, what did I learn today? Or maybe I, I didn't do something right. I, okay, let's reflect on that and know how can I do better in the future it's awesome so it's a greater day formula um it can you know if you do the morning routine you can make a great day but if you do both the morning and the evening it's a greater day so it's called the greater day formula and you can get it at uh, www.greaterdayformula.com simple as that I feel like that's very very simple greaterdayformula.com and you can grab the greater day formula free that he just went through that's really cool um and then let's let's plug you real quick so where else where's the best way to connect with you um social media your podcast tell me what you got going on and how we can get more randall (laughs) you can get more randall uh you can go to my website uh, randallsgarcia.com so my middle name is sean randall sean garcia but it's randallsgarcia.com and uh, you can also find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and my uh, username is just Randall S. Garcia. So it's all Randall S. Garcia. Easy. So Randall S. Garcia on all social media and RandallSGarcia.com. And then, of course, GreaterDayFormula.com. Um, and then wrap up, too, with uh, tell me about an episode or some kind of recent episode on your millennial podcast, uh, millennial leadership podcast that is worth listening to. I'm sure they all are. But what's one in particular <laughs> that, you, uh, that you enjoyed and that we should go check out? 
Oh man, you're putting me on the spot. I know. Um, <laughs> one of my favorite episodes, um, and it depends. Okay, let me give you two because there's different demographics. If you go back, um, back in time, you can actually check out the five um, laws of generational understanding. And Ooh, that was a full episode. Yeah, it was a full episode. Exactly. And um, that was on episode eight. I'm looking at it right now. It's, it was on episode eight. So if you go to the Millennial Leadership Show, if you like that uh, generational conversation, you can get all five laws on episode eight. And we can um, get that on Apple Podcasts, on, on all yep. platforms, I'm sure. And then it's yes. also, I'll just put out, it's at millennialleadership.com. That's exactly. also some info on the podcast. I'm looking at the feed right now. Exactly. And yeah, episode eight, the five laws of generational understanding. That sounds like a cool episode. Yeah. yeah. And then there's one more, um, just in case, you know, that wasn't your topic. There's one, my most popular episode is actually, um, it's episode 37 and it's how I read 70 books in 2017 and eight pro tips for reading more in 2018. So, wow. Yep. That's so really that one's. That one's good. I give a bunch of tips on how to read more. So that one was probably is my most popular episode right now. All right, everyone, you hear that? That is uh, that is key. And if you have my NLP speed reading masterclass, that's free. Mm. You guys know about that. A lot of our people have done uh, my speed reading process. I'll bet you any money. This is going to go hand in hand with that. If you want to get more books devoured, and I'm not talking about Audible, the cheap hack. I'm talking about like <laughs> really devouring books and getting the information you want nothing wrong with listening to them but i think that's uh, there's something about cracking open a book too um that is cool so you can get that and more i'm looking at some of these episodes like really cool i actually am going to be listening to a bunch i love <laughs> your most recent one says four qualities you need to become a leader that everyone wants to follow yep how mm -hmm. entrepreneurship fuels phil uh philanthropy i can never pronounce that word philanthropy philanthropy <laughs> <laughs> that, that's why I'm not a president of a nonprofit board. Because <laughs> you can't say philanthropy. Yeah, I think that's rule number one. <laughs> philanthropy. Yeah, I'm still I'm, I'm working on it. Six ways to overcome fear and live the life you want. So there's some really, really cool stuff. So you don't have to be a millennial to get some value from the millennial leadership uh, show podcast. Uh, Randall, final question as we wrap up. We've gone a little bit longer. Thanks for sticking with me on this. It's been an absolute pleasure, brother. Um, final question before I let you go. Looking back at your life and everything you've done and not done, if you could change anything and do it differently, what would you change? Or would you leave it all the same? Uh, I, I do believe that I would keep it the same. And the, the reason is, is because I'm, I'm here today for a certain reason and for a certain calling. And I think that you have to learn along the way. Um, even when you feel like you failed and you feel like maybe you've given up on some things, maybe it's a job, maybe it's a marriage, maybe it's a business. If, if you've ever been in that situation, you live and you learn from those things. And I feel like I wouldn't be the person that I am today if I hadn't gone through those things. So I wouldn't change a thing. Although like there's something inside me that's like, well, I kind of would have actually, no, I wouldn't. I, I think that there's a very profound lesson there that you have to live, learn, and move on. So what you're saying, if I'm hearing you right, is you might, you might have a desire to not have experienced something or some of the pain, yes. but you wouldn't change it if you could. Exactly. It's, it makes me who I am today. So I wouldn't change who I am today any day of the week. <laughs> Great answer. Um, really, really enjoyed our conversation. Everyone, Randall S. Garcia, millennialleadership.com and randallsgarcia.com. Buddy, thanks so much for taking the time and I will catch you very soon. Sounds good. Thank you, Matt. 
All right, thanks again to Randall Garcia for coming on the show. Man, I sure appreciate you, brother. Awesome conversation. I can't wait to do it again. I, I had a blast on on his podcast, and I really, really had a good time having him uh, over on mine as well. So remember, follow Randall. You can follow him at Twitter at Randall S. Garcia. That's Randall with two L's, Randall S. Garcia, and Instagram at Randall S. Garcia. Same thing, same bat time, same bat channel. Twitter and Instagram, make sure you give him a follow uh, and a like. You can grab his Greater Day formula. The easiest thing is just go to RandallSGarcia.com. Let's keep it simple. There's a specific page within there. Uh, uh, we have it in the show notes exactly. But if you just go to RandallSGarcia.com, it'll also be right there. You can get the Greater Day formula, an easy seven-step formula for high-performance entrepreneurs. If that's you or you that you want it to be you, go grab the Greater Day formula. You won't be disappointed. I'm telling you, the, the people I have on this show... Um, not everyone gives something away, but when I ask them to, I'm, you know, sometimes they say, well, Matt, I have like five different things. I have these different programs I've created and, you know, which one makes the most sense. So I'm always thinking, you know, about you guys and thinking, what, what would you really want? Um, what would benefit you? And I love Randall's greater day formula. Um, it's a really easy process, but it's something that you can take and you can apply in the morning to your day to plan out the day and the week. If you follow this formula, you're going to have abundant, awesome, hustle, kick-butt days where you just get out there, burn it down, and make it happen. So grab that. Thanks for listening. As always, remember to rate, subscribe, and review. Um, if uh, Yeah, check it out. You know, if you, Just think about it for a second. In all honesty, if you haven't reviewed or if you haven't rated, um, it only takes a second, especially if you're you're on an iPhone or, uh, or you're in iTunes or Apple Podcasts. That's a big deal uh, for the show. If you just pop over there real quick, I mean, just, you can literally just scroll down in the app and you'll see the ratings and reviews. Here, let me just do it real quick for you. I'm going to uh, show you exactly where that is. If you literally just take the, the image you see and you scroll down somewhere in there. There we go. No, see, that's, yeah, they're always changing it. They're always changing it. Okay, so it's not on the, the playlist, but if you go to the library and you go to my podcast and you scroll down past the available episodes, what you'll see is you'll see the best of the episode or the best of episodes, and then you'll see ratings and reviews. And literally, all you got to do is just tap five stars, boom, or ho however many stars you want. I honestly don't care. You can give me one, two, three, four. Uh, as long as it's honest, I appreciate it. Put the stars on, and then you can also, once you've done that, you can also scroll down ever so slightly, just a little bit to the bottom of that, and you'll see a thing where it says write a review. If you wouldn't mind, just take two seconds. Again, if you listen to it, if you're a listener, and if you like the show, and if you don't like the show, seriously, go leave a rating and leave a review. Any of them are going to help because I really want people to know what this is all about. Thanks for listening. Have an awesome weekend. As usual, get out there and crush it. I know you can. And I'll talk to you next Tuesday with episode 98.